I dropped Missouri down, but not out of the Locked On Top 25 poll. Plus, more thoughts from around the country, including Mizzou opponents Kansas State, LSU, and Middle Tennessee coming up right now on Locked On Mizzou. You are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And this episode is brought to you by a FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. And you got, I got to say at the top here, I, I don't think I've given the Missouri defense enough credit for how well they played in week one against South Dakota. But to be fair to myself, you know what? I, didn't we all expect that? With all the returning talent that Missouri had off of what was a really, really good Missouri defense last season, I think they did about what we all expected against an overwhelmed South Dakota opponent. But the reason I bring this up is because, yes, I just filled out my top 25 ballot for the Locked On Podcast Network this morning. And after having Missouri probably a little bit too aggressively high, considering I predicted an 8-4 and four mark, I had the Tigers 16th in the initial Locked On poll. And Honestly, after I filled that out, I realized mm, an eight and four probably should have been more like 20th, 21st, something like that. And after week one, I have the Tigers 25th. So just inside of that top 25. I think firmly the Missouri is a top 30, top 35 team at the very least. But I'm a little bit more optimistic about the Missouri offense after taking a deeper dive into things. Listen, I, I was disappointed and was passionate after the game about how I would have just liked to have seen more, more to evaluate in the passing game from Sam Horn in the second half. Of course, a lot of that had to do with, well, that first drive by South Dakota in the third quarter took off a lot of time. But most importantly, I just thought Eli Drinkwitz and company were just a little bit too content to run out the clock, run the football. To me, there just wasn't much of a risk of South Dakota actually making that a competitive football game. So in my opinion, take your chances there. But I don't want to get lost what happened in the first half. And, you know, some people, including myself, were like, hey, that offense looked a lot looked very similar to what it was in 2022. But you know what? When you go back and you look at the film, you realize, as Eli Drinkwood said, they're playing a lot of two-deep safety coverage. And not only that, their outside corners, I saw this many times, are basically playing cover-for coverage. In other words, they're not, they're not really playing the flat part of the field. They're just dropping back deep and covering the intermediate and deep parts of the field. So a lot of times Missouri is simply taking Missouri and Brady Cook more specifically, because he's the one making the true decisions here, 
He's taking what's giving. He's, he's dumping the ball off to, to Luther Burden in the slot or, or the running backs in the flat. And, and guess what? More often than not, they're picking up good yardage and first downs and methodically moving the ball down the field. The Tigers scored two touchdowns in each quarter that Brady Cook played. So while it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, I thought it was pretty good, actually, that first half of offense by Missouri. And by the way, for all the talk of dinking and dunking, there were a couple times there were some deep shots out there that were designed into the offense, some options to go deep, certainly, just like there were last year. And as I pointed out last week on the program, both Cook and Horn notably passed up at least one deep shot they could have easily taken, in my opinion. Horn's was on the interception that was off Makai Miller's hands. Cooks was on an incompletion to Luther, Luther Burden down the left side across the middle of the field, which in my opinion was a pretty good throw, just was a tough one to complete and not the decision he should have made. But overall, though, I just thought Missouri took what San Diego, or excuse me, I keep calling him San Diego occasionally, South Dakota gave it, and especially in the first half, I thought it mostly worked. So it's hard to really complain about that. And so while I had to move Missouri down a little bit, just to be fair, I thought there were more teams that were more impressive than Missouri that I had to move ahead of them. Notably, Oklahoma was really impressive. Ole Miss as well. Oregon, of course, ran up the score big time. I had to move all three of those O teams higher than Missouri. I already had Oregon ahead for sure. I think maybe even Ole Miss as well, but certainly if I ever had Missouri ahead of Oklahoma, I, I just think after this week, if I'm going to be a, at least a semi-objective and also a, an objective, semi-objective analyst will also be an incredibly biased fan, I have to at least move Missouri down a decent bit there. But to me, I just liked more of, I thought it was more positive than negative, even though certainly I came up with some negatives in the post game. Now, of course, by now I've caught up on all of the post-game coverage from the South Dakota game, and one thing Rock M Nation brought up as a concern was the 56 penalty yards committed by Missouri in Week 1, and in particular this is concerning because last season Missouri was among the most penalized teams in college football. But I will say this, and this is something I've said before, so for your everydayers, I'm sorry to repeat myself a little bit here, but there's also just new listeners to this program all the time. So I want to make something clear here, because the two penalties that Rock M Nation, two of them, I should say, that they really focused on, one was a defensive holding penalty while by Chris Abrams' drain. Another was a holding penalty that negated an 18-yard gain by Nathaniel Pete on the ground. So here's the thing. Once again, I just like to make a really, really clear distinction between penalties of aggression and penalties of mental error. Because when it comes to penalties of aggression, to me, a holding penalty is is the great example of a penalty of aggression. Because while obviously anytime, hey, you wipe away an 18-yard gain on the ground like that and you go back 10 yards, that's a real negative. No question about that. But the part that people don't consider there is how many times do you get away with it? That's the part that people don't consider. Okay, maybe I got away with five holding penalties, but they called me for one. Again, whether it's on the offensive side in terms of blocking 
or it's on the defensive side in terms of coverage, there's a tremendous amount of gray area in terms of holding penalties. In theory, you could call, you could throw a flag on just about every snap on some offensive lineman or another because they're grabbing. Now, obviously, the rules are hey, you get them out. There's certain rules, technical rules, I won't get deep into here that actually constitute holding. But the point is, again, there's so much gray area there. And yes, within that gray area, you're able to then go across the line a little bit, maybe go a little bit farther than you otherwise could have, depending on the, you know, depending on your reputation. I bet Chris Abrams Drain, for instance, gets away with more holding penalties than a lot of guys would with his reputation entering this season. So again, while just like the Chris Abrams Drain defensive penalty, hey, not a good thing, kept the drive alive, gave them an automatic first down. You have to factor in how many they get away with, too. The point is, when it comes to penalties of mental error, stuff like false starts, jumping off sides, 12 men on the field, just anything like that, well, you don't get away with that stuff. It always hurts you, and there is no real gray area. You're either off sides or you're not, and for the most part, you get caught on that kind of stuff. And coming up, I have more thoughts from week one Across the country, including, well, Coach Prime's debut before the Colorado Buffaloes and future Missouri opponents, Kansas State, LSU, and of course, Middle Tennessee as well. But now is time for your game changer of the week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And this week, much like Johnny Walker, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. And I'll tell you, Johnny Walker, he's going to be a real game changer. If he's as good as he looked in week one for the Tigers, if they have unearthed another gym at defensive end, much like they did with DJ Coleman last year, this Missouri defense that was quite above average last season could really be elite for 20-23. But again, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game with over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. I promise you're going to find something that you love. And you can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewingcompany.com. First-time customers can use promo code locked on to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at Athletic Brewing dot com near beer exclusions and conditions apply athletic brewing company fit for all times college football is back and this season locked on is kicking up our coverage with locked on college football kickoff live each friday locked on will go live from 10 a.m. to noon central on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College football kickoff live covering playoff implications, the rivalry games going in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts, 
covering their team every day. Follow Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 10 a.m. to noon on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You certainly won't want to miss it. And again, I moved the Missouri Tigers down from 16th to 25 in my latest edition of the Locked On poll. Again, had more just to probably an initial misfire by me on my initial ranking. I, I have the Tigers as an 8-4 and four club. Haven't, haven't changed that yet. I just thought eh, 16th, probably a little bit too high. And some other teams, again, the three O's, for example, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Oregon had to be moved up, for instance, had the Ducks higher. But most importantly, hey, how about Coach Prime? I have Colorado one spot ahead of Missouri at 24th. Perhaps that's a little aggressive, but man, I was really impressed by, well, Coach Prime's son, Coach Prime, uh, Prime Jr., I guess, the Sanders kid, man, a quarterback. I just was impressed by his quick decision-making, first of all. Of course, TCU played in the national championship game last year. They have a really different squad, missing 11 starters from last year, including the quarterback. They had something like, I don't know, seven or eight NFL draft picks as well. So a very different Horn Frog squad. So we'll see what happens with Colorado, but certainly couldn't have been a more impressive debut. Now, when it comes to some future Missouri opponents, remember I had the Tigers 16th? Well, now I have the Kansas State Wildcats. Sixteenth, I thought they really took care of business, of course, in week one against Southeast Missouri State. As of right now, I think I would, if I had to guess, we'll see what happens, of course, with both squads in week two. But I think I've got to have the Wildcats favored by Missouri by about a field goal at Faro Field. I think three is actually probably the right number. We'll see what, again, I think obviously if Missouri or Kansas State looks not so hot in week two, that could change things. But as of right now, I think that's pretty close to being right. I just can't see a scenario where Missouri is favored over at FanDuel Sportsbook right now. But at the same time, I don't think the Wildcats are going to be getting a touchdown. That seems too much as well. I also had to drop LSU down quite a bit as it seems like the people are trying to put them into the SEC championship game again over Alabama may have been getting ahead of themselves a little bit. And by the way, if you really watch that game closely, I know Jaden Daniels put up a lot of stats in the stat book, but when you really look at it, I I just don't think Jaden Daniels is as different as Brady Cook is. For instance, yes, I actually think Jaden Brady Cook's a really good runner. I think Jaden is even more dynamic on the ground, but just in terms of passing, there's some real limitations there, just like there are with Cook. And again, I just think too often if if a college player is not either the greatest player we've seen in the last 10, 20 years at the position, or he's not a first round NFL type you know, arm talent type player, I'm talking about, you know, Chase Daniel or Drew Locke, if they aren't somebody like that, then they get totally picked apart. But as we've seen, somebody like James Franklin, who did not really fit the mold of either one of those two examples, well, he was obviously a very good quarterback for Missouri and the starter on one of the best teams in school history in 2013. So from the optimist perspective, it's not as though you have to have the best quarterback in your school history to have a really good season. So just a little bit more context there on just the general scope 
of the quarterback position in college football. And finally here, just from week one, I just touch on Middle Tennessee a little bit, Missouri's next opponent here coming up on Saturday night. Obviously, they were no match for the Crimson Tide, as likely we could have suspected, right, a 56-7 to final. And the only interesting thing there to me is that there does seem to be a bit of a week after Alabama effect that a lot of people have noticed the last few seasons. I don't have any numbers on that or anything, but it does seem to stand to reason that after playing that squad or Georgia or any type of big-time opponent that maybe the next week, number one, just emotionally a little bit harder to get up for, but maybe a little bit beat up too. The physical toll, the advantage those teams have, it definitely takes takes its toll after some time. So to that point, over at FanDuel Sportsbook, by the way, after opening up as 17-point favorites, the Tigers are now favored by 20 and a half over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And by the way, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. That's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And even during the season, well, recruiting never stops, that's for sure. And, well, the Tigers picked up a commitment from Elias Williams, an edge player who had visits, took official visits to Indiana, KU, and UCF, a three-star player, 6'4", 270 pounds. And, well, that 270 for a high school guy as an edge, that's a pretty significant number. Also seen him listed at 240 as well at other places, that's quite a gap there. If he's more like 240, I can see him pretty easily being an edge player. If he's more like 270, seems like being a more inside defensive tackle or three technique might be in that young man's future. But obviously, if you're in the SEC like Missouri is, that's the type of kid you've got to be able to get if you want him all the time. You shouldn't be able you shouldn't be having Indiana or Kansas or UCF stealing guys from you. Also on the football side, quick update, Tyler Beatty back with the Broncos practice squad after clearing waivers. So his NFL dream is no longer over and speaking of recruiting, you know what, just to close out the program here, just some quick thoughts on Missouri basketball as Trent Burns was in town this past weekend apparently he's a 7 foot 2 a 220 pound prospect from Houston and by the way I'm just going to stop all of you right now please don't tell me that he needs to hit the weight room when he gets to campus I got it really I do here's the thing name me one player who's going to get to campus and won't hit the weight room. Understood. There are guys who are skinny, and it seems like they need to put on a little muscle mass. I got it. That is the most obvious and boring 
observation. And as you can tell, it's kind of become a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. But what's much more interesting about Trent Burns, other than the fact that he could probably lift a weight or two, is that at seven foot two, he shot nearly 40% from downtown in the Nike EYBL circuit, for instance. Here's a guy who's been recruited. He has official visits to Ohio State and, and Xavier scheduled as well. He also mentioned that, hey, I was able to see Connor Vanover, another similarly tall and skinny player who likes to shoot the three. He was saying, oh, this makes me see that I could fit in here nicely. So he does really seem like sort of your prototypical Dennis Gates big man, a guy who's got plenty of length and not willing and willing to step out and shoot a three-pointer as well. Also, Trent Burns said, Coach Gates said he wants players at my position to grab at least one rebound every three minutes. So that's something I'm going to try to really focus on. So to the people who say that Dennis Gates doesn't care about rebounding, well, let's examine that a little bit. I personally think that Dennis Gates obviously gets the value of rebounding. But I also think last season he very obviously understood the limitations of his roster. But I will say, you look back at Leonard Hamilton, Dennis Gates, his time with Florida State, the Knolls were never a great rebounding team. Not necessarily bad, always by any means, but I would say at least decidedly average. And considering how much length the Knolls had during that time, I got to say that surprised me a little bit. But what it does lead me to believe, especially after watching Missouri last season, is that Gates is obviously willing to trade rebounding for something else. And that something else in this case is namely skill. And I think Trent Burns, again, fits the mold there. A seven foot two, 220 pound guy who likes to step out and shoot the three. Well, obviously, statistically, that's going to hurt your offensive rebounding stats. If you just don't plant a guy like that down in the dunker spot or just on the block as a low post player, whatever it might be. So again, I, I just I'm I'm very much for this, by the way, is the ultimate point. I, I'm this is one reason why I love Dennis Gates. One of many reasons is that to me, he understands that yeah, while rebounding's important, it's still way more important to get five guys on the court who have some skill and who can put the ball in the basket. I'm all for it. And thanks again for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day and for you every day or tomorrow on the program. I think I got a way in on the latest realignment, Stanford, Cal, and SMU moving to the Atlantic Coast Conference. Once again, I'd just like to point out that not a single solitary person in terms of fans, athletes, anybody was asking for this. How can this possibly be a good thing in the long run? Well, we'll talk about that. And of course, all the Missouri specific topics you can throw, you can throw at the wall coming up tomorrow on Locked On Mizzou.